Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora for the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. The Hair Fetish Experience is one of the highest rated salons in the metro area. It's owned and operated by entrepreneur and stylist Precious Sedchik. Uh-oh, you said it nicely. How often do you have to correct that? All the time. <laughs> All the time. I want to start with your grandmother, okay, Dr. Martha B. Hayes. Yes. Uh, she was an innovator in the art of cosmetology. She was one of the most famous cosmetologists and international instructors in the South. She also created and designed the world's first human hair weaving dress, which has been displayed at Ripley's Believe It or Not Museums in, in Canada and Florida. Yes. What are some of your memories of your grandmother? Wow. The memories I have, I'll never forget being a little girl in her salon. And back then you would always have to do um, a, a jerry curl. So she was wrapping ladies up with the jerry curl all the time. And it would be the, with the rollers. And I would always have to go to the back of the shampoo bowls and wrap the unwrap the papers from the rods. And so that was my thing that I would do. And then, yeah, she would go tell me to rinse the, the rods off in the bowl and go put them away. And I would just sit there and watch them, her and my mother, actually. But yes, definitely my grandma. She would be like, go back there and rock, unwrap those rods. Did you have a sense of the gravity of her influence in the industry at a young age? I did. I got to be a part of her fashion shows. So I was a little uh, runway model for her. She actually, not even just hair, she did. She started what I've come to learn is um, fashion shows in Fayetteville. A lot of that stuff wasn't there yet. So she brought a lot of just different opportunities for black women um, to be seen. So it's really cool. So yeah, me doing runway shows, hair, all of it. Your grandmother also an adept entrepreneur. Uh, it would appear that all that talent was passed down also to your mother, Gwen, yeah. uh, who owned Rumors, which is a, a pretty legendary Aurora salon. It is. I imagine this question would be an episode unto itself, but how did watching your grandmother and your mother influence you both as an entrepreneur, but also artistically? I think um, what she definitely instilled is a person to say, why not? And go for it and kind of, not even kind of, but why not make it your own? And you can watch and get the basics of anything, but when you go in and finesse and add perfection to your own style, it'll be beautiful. So I think um, for my mother, for example, same kind of situation where she ended up owning up her own salon next door to my grandmother in Fayetteville at the time. Wow. Um, and they just kind of, you know, she really helped push for us to build and keep growing and never stopping to do that. How does that dynamic work when your grandmother has an established salon, your mother starts her own, with right. her own vision, right. her own business ideas. How, how do those, how does guidance and I want to do my own thing, how do those two things reconcile? In our family, I think it just always says, hey, expand, keep yeah. expanding, keep growing. I know that we're not going to do it the same, but we can do it differently. Mm -hmm. However, we're all in a space of non-competing with each other. It's just right. more so of just pushing the next way to go because I don't think my I think my grandmother knew in her own way she was about to leave but she had got cancer so I think she knew it was a space to my mom wasn't going to stay in Fayetteville long but there was this framework of here's how you can be successful but also put your touch on it put correct. your stamp on it correct she definitely just pushed her to make sure to never you know 
be closed-minded on anything. Just keep being broad and open and make sure new opportunities are available. So you're a third generation entrepreneur and stylist in your own right, but mm -hmm. it almost didn't happen. You initially go to school for criminology. Yes. What was the curiosity behind that initial career path? I wanted to do something completely different. Yeah. I was not planning on at all being a hairstylist. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, a cosmetologist. Let me make sure I say that correctly. Right. But, however, my mother was like, nope, you're going to do something. You're going to at least have a trade. I don't care if you want to do um, anything else, but you will be going to school for this. Yeah. And that was just how that happened. She said her mother did it to her. My grandmother had a uh, school. And so she was like, okay, well, you're going to go to hair school and then you can do whatever else you want. And yeah. That's how that ended up happening. Well, but the, the the path specifically with criminology, was there something that turned you off to it? Or uh, no, just... it turned me on to it. Yeah. Um, I was so in, enthralled. I actually wanted to be, with going to criminal justice, I wanted to be a coroner. Okay. So, yeah, I know. Um, I was so intrigued with the human body um, and just trying, just being something totally different. CSI was my thing. Yeah. Investigating, going in, and uh, I went on a ride along with them. And then when I... Once I realized I don't really get to do what you see on the show, right. I was like, okay, never mind. You went, on a, you went on a ride along with the coroner? I went on a ride along with the CSI. Okay. And it's a uh, lot of paperwork. Yes, it's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> and they really get just only the clothing. They don't right. get, you know, they get the clothing. They can go and do the autopsy. Now, if it was someone who'd committed suicide, they stated, then you can go in. Yeah. If it wasn't, no, you couldn't go. So it wasn't fun anymore. And once I realized all I'm going to do is research blood stains and how it, and give a whole scenario of how I think it would be. There probably is some truth to the idea of inheriting talent. Absolutely. Um, plus, you know, God-given ability. Yes, I, yes. But you also have to put in the work. What was the process like for you growing and owning your skills as a cosmetologist? Honestly, um, the growing in my skills, of course, I was my mom's receptionist at Rumors mm -hmm. Barbershop and Beauty Salon in Aurora. Um, and she had 21 stylists at the time in barbers. So total um, stylists and barbers. Um, and I would sit there and observe. I became the receptionist, um, towel girl, you know, things like that. Um, but sitting there watching everyone, learning everyone's special skills, and you can see that everyone, you know, knows how to do a shampoo style or a flat iron or updo, but everyone put their own finesse in it. And what I realized in that moment, sitting there and getting all of this beautiful knowledge from all these beautiful people, um, is that you just add your finesse and add your extra touch on it. Because all of them were, all of them did amazing work, but everyone just had their own special time. Did you feel any additional pressure being the daughter of the owner and I mean, the granddaughter of the legend? I mean, no, I okay. didn't. Um, I didn't feel any pressure because I think it just came so organically that it was after, it took me a long time to actually accept the fact that I was going to do cosmetology. I didn't think I would. So it took me a long time to accept the fact that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I was so busy trying to push myself out yeah. of it that all I kept doing was pushing myself <laughs> into it. And I, yeah, I decided, okay, stop fighting against the grain and just 
go with it, obviously. Did you find yourself um, held to a higher standard at all, or, or were you kind of in line with the stylists in your in your growth or the cosmetology? I'm sorry, I got to use the right yes, phrase. Yes, cosmetology. Thank you. Um, did you did you feel a sense of pressure to to live up? I mm, yes. How about this? In the beginning, I felt like I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, we all have imposter yeah, syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does, and you know, once I realized. I could do it and I'm really great at it. Yeah. And then I became speed. Speed is my thing. Um, not just with speed and doing it fast and not, but speed with consistency, with yeah. making it still look wonderful um, and still making people feel like, hey, my time is as important as yours mm -hmm. and respecting that space too. But then it, respecting the space too in the time that you're sitting in my chair, we're having a connection, but knowing, hey, I know you have a life too outside of here. And I think what used to happen in salons, um, which probably still do, I don't know. I don't work that way, but just staying there all day is just not a thing for me because I have a family as well. So yeah, no, I I just learned to, you know, be at ease and, you know, be quick. And so I think that's where I got my finesse from. You didn't just work the front desk at Rumors, you became a Everything. manager. Yes, I became yeah. the manager. Right. I had to fire people. And then, and then you they hated can't me. be easy, yeah. <laughs> They hated me. Um, and then at some point you decide, okay, I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to start mm -hmm. my own salon. Was that met with resistance at all from the family or your mom? Or was that with open <sighs> arms kind of passing the baton? You know, it's funny. Um, you know, my last couple weeks, we'll say at uh, my mom's salon was me. It was time for me to go. I, I could feel it was time for me to go. I felt like I was... A, a lot of people obviously see me at that time I was 30 maybe I was 28 at that time and mm, yeah no I was 26 or 28 running the salon yeah and they were like oh she's too young kind of thing right and not that they stated it you just could tell and I knew it was time for me to if I needed to set a tone I know that they think hey you're much more not mature enough maybe people um, see you as what you started correct. as and it's hard for them to a little evolve, girl right. and they still see me as gwen's daughter mm -hmm. and i am gwen's daughter absolutely I'm, you know however and you I'm honor a woman and yeah. i do honor that and so it, i knew at that time i told my mom i said hey i love you it's time for me to go and so it was hard for her at first but then she understood and i went and worked in cherry creek um and stayed in a sola in the studios um and did that for a minute i actually didn't like that however it was nice for the moment in building relationships but it came down to a space um when people started to come to me and say hey i think i'm gonna open up my own salon a lady she owns um, needle in the hay and it's in Cherry Creek. I believe it's still in Cherry Creek. I absolutely love her for this. Still to this day, she'll never know unless she hears this. <laughs> um, but she looked at me and she said, there has to be more. Just like that. And I said, you know what? She was like, we could sit here and stay in these rooms. She said, we're young. We could stay in these rooms and push, put ourselves away and you know, let no one see our talents and educate and help educate other um, future cosmetologists and stylists, barbers, whatnot, whatever. She was like, but there has to be more for us to be able to go and move forward. And from that moment when she said that to me, I said, you're absolutely correct. And from there, that's when my light switched on. Like, nice. okay, I need a salon. I need to move. I've always known though, in the beginning, I did want to brick and mortar. Yeah. I just didn't know when, I didn't know how, where. I was just in that space of, Try to figure that piece out. But when you do decide to go out on your own, you're armed with this expertise and wisdom, but you're still paving your own way. 
What were some of the pitfalls or some of the surprises that came <laughs> along the way when you were launching the Hair Fetish Experience? You know, one, finding the right building, mm -hmm. um, finding the right staff of people. And mind you, they come and go. However, it's just, I'm very particular on, I don't just let, I don't just let anyone or anyone in this, anyone or anything in a space, right? And I really want to see that they're hungry. So I think um, with doing that, getting things trademarked, that's that's fun. People don't realize how deep trademarks are mm -hmm. until you realize how much you really got to pay for one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, just finding stylists, finding, I, I never looked at different places as competition, right? Um, I just always looked at it as, there's no reason I should feel like a stylist is competing with me. Um, I'm always in the space of you, we're growing together. There's no difference between you and I. Yes, we both have a difference of how we do a flat iron or how we do extensions or whatnot, whatever, but you have a beautiful thing I can learn from and I have something beautiful from you can learn from. So I just always have looked at it as a rewarding space for someone, but you know, you get all kinds of crazy stuff when it comes to stylists, when it comes to opening up your business for the first time and just getting the right people to support you. It's similar <laughs> to the culinary field. It's similar to the, the brewers I talked to in that there's a mixture of science and art. Yes, it's a mixture of science and art all day. And when people, I'm very good on constructive criticism. Yeah. So I know people don't like mine. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, let's fall back. Let's do something different. Yeah. And I'll really help them, you know, try to finesse their art because I know they can't do it like me, but I need to see, give me the basics and then you can go. <laughs> but it's got to be super rewarding when somebody's receptive to that feedback. You see them grow. Yes, as, absolutely. As absolutely. I, I had a stylist. I've had numerous of stylists, but um, watch them start off and grow and it, their business is expanded to where, you know, they're overflowed and now they want to move and, you know, come back and forth traveling. So I think I'm just happy to watch people grow and know that, hey, there's something more than just... You know, I think people think their uh, hairstylist's salary is very low, I guess, and don't feel compelled to be able to be able to aspire to a lot of things. So I guess I'm the vision of showing them, hey, you can do these things. Don't stop yourself. Right. Just keep going and moving forward. Your salon is very diverse, uh, very diverse. and eclectic team, that, and that's reflected also in the services that you provide. Uh, and your clientele is diverse and eclectic as well. Mm -hmm. um, I take it that was very intentional. What, what, what was the in initial vision for your salon? Uh, the initial, the, the vision of my salon um, is a multicultural salon mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, where anyone and everyone can walk in, feel comfortable, be able to get serviced, and not still any kind of way. Everyone should be able to, with any stylist or barber or cosmetologist, should be able to do work on everyone. No one should feel like you can't touch their hair. So that was my biggest ingrating of the business in the first place. You promote more than styling, you promote hair health. Yes, healthy why, hair. Why is that focus of education so important for you? I love your questions. Thank Let you. me just tell you. Thank you, Precious. I mean, you really went in here. Okay. okay. Because a lot of stylists don't focus on healthy hair. Um, a lot of them focus on getting money, mm -hmm. um, doing something quick and fast, um, and 
the the biggest thing is yes, we can have extensions, we can have relaxers. People get freaked out about relaxers. Oh, it causes you cancer. No, you can have all of these things. It's the fact of knowing who the right the right client that can have it, um, knowing their hair texture, their type, what their hair can and cannot handle. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, hey, I'm a beautician, not a magician. So <laughs> I I know you see a picture, you see this woman, you're right. probably looking more at her than you are at yeah what can, you look like. Can you make me look hair. like Beyonce? Yeah, I can't make you look like Beyonce, but I can make you look like you <laughs> right. and finesse you gotcha. and make you look amazing. <laughs> Maybe even more important than the services you provide is the relationship building that is inherent in your business. Yes. You are part stylist, friend, therapist, lawyer. Uh, D. What is it about both. you that fosters that level of intimacy with your clients? I think just because I'm a very, I, I, I'm a talker. So anyway, you that doesn't know. That I mean, field, right? yes, you have to be, but more so I'm here to listen. Mm-hmm. So I think when my client is talking, I'll get them out of their comfort, because I can see that some people kind of get restrained and yeah. like, okay, I'm not gonna say anything. I just wanna do it. But it's like, hey, no, I want you to feel comfortable. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, so then I can get your personality. And then from there, it ends up opening itself up to where the conversation becomes more flowed. Um, we're at flow with it and we're just sitting and just ended up, you know, they talk about their family and I, you know, you get people that are going through so many things, especially during COVID, like mm-hmm. a big thing for COVID for me, all of my clients that are introverted, I would specifically call them because I knew that they didn't have a family mm. um, and things like that. And they're, I would be their family, really, right? They would yeah. come in, get a service, and um, I would say, hey, I'm calling, just checking on you, see how you're doing. They're like, wow, thank you. It's like, but I know you're home by yourself, probably with just your dog, right? you know? Um, and I, I'll never forget a lady, I was shampooing her, I said, come on back, beautiful. And she said, she stopped, and she said, you know, you're the only one that calls me beautiful. You're the only one that's ever called me beautiful. And I said, excuse me? I said, but you are beautiful. Like you're a beautiful person and you're a beautiful woman. Like I don't understand. And she was like, no, thank you. So just that itself, especially for people who were more introverted, even my regular clients, I have family, they're social. They're calling like, hey girl, where you at? Can I come and get my hair done in your lawn? No, (laughs) I have my license. Y'all are trying to ruin my license right now. And we can't do that. (laughs) So. (laughs) But building those relationships beyond a transactional. Yes, it became more, it becomes more of like family, becomes a, you know, family, uh, someone you can rely on and count on in our relationships. Um, And then it brings to connection with people, you know? I'm big on connecting people. Does that rapport come naturally to you or was that a skill you had to develop? No, it comes naturally. I'm really big at connecting people. So if, and I always believe if it's not for me, if I'm talking to someone and I hear something, I'm nine times out of 10, if it's not for me, I know it's for someone else I know. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, you should connect with this person. And I'll end up finding ways to connect them, maybe by booking an appointment a different (laughs) way. Um, And they end up becoming really good friends and or good allies when it comes to business and moving forward. Cause you know, I get so many different types of clients. Um, so people get opportunities outside of just their hair, right? They get opportunities for finding a new job or finding a husband or a wife, yeah. you know, whatnot, whatever. So it's pretty open. You've touched on this a little bit, but March 2020 hits and that yeah. closeness becomes off limits yes. to your clients. How were you and your team able to adapt and get through that time? Oh, Lord. Um, you know, with my stylist, I definitely 
was the person, which a lot of businesses don't do this, um, I definitely was a person like, hey, we are all, at the end of the day, cosmetologists. Mm -hmm. And I get fed when you get fed. And since you're not getting fed, I need you to go get fed and just make sure you're okay. Mm. So I didn't charge anyone booth rent or anything like that. I just made them do their thing. So if they're selling their hair products or whatnot, whatever, just to get their bills paid, get some food in the house. If they had savings, whatnot, whatever, that's what I did. I really didn't ask for any of that. Um, I had clients that understood my life and they just sent me money. People just sent me money. Wow. And I didn't have to worry about anything. That was the grace of God. So yeah, it was beautiful. That's how that worked. <laughs> to your credit, you and your team volunteer your time, your talent, yes. and resources to many worthy causes, including Building Warriors, which is a nonprofit that supports first responders. Uh, you hosted a Battered Wife Beauty Day to help women gain their self-confidence back. Yes. Where does that spirit of service come from? That spirit of service comes from the little girl from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, I grew up in North Carolina, very poor. Um, I was a trailer park little girl. Um, and I, I'll say all that all day because people don't believe that. They see my mom and see all of these things, but it's like before then there there is a base, right? Mm -hmm. So I always say never judge a book by its cover. Um, but remembering those spaces where it was hard to, if you're just eating oatmeal or molasses and biscuits every day, I think it goes back to that because everyone's in need of something. You never know what people are going through. So just to give them the self-assurance that hey everything will be okay and just keep moving forward and yeah so with coming to volunteer i really am a big advocate to go in and um volunteer for those things or even our first responders um people give them really horrible credit sometimes at times but at the end of the day hey everybody's here we're all here for one cause, if not many. Right. Um, but um, just going in and showing, hey, this is my stance on it. I want to help make sure I'm a positive light in it and just keeping it that way Love so that. that people see something beautiful, beautiful than seeing something not. Uh, a, a great style can instill confidence and joy. And that's got to be one of the most rewarding aspects of what you do when you see somebody light up after they love what you or one of your, your teammates have done. Oh my Lord, yes. Their face, you can see people's whole yeah. personality changes. As soon as they get in the chair and they're like, hey, can you save me? Like, yeah, now so it's like, hey girl, then their whole personality comes out. And you're like, oh, hey. And then I give them a new name. <laughs> so it's fun. There's a, a motivational saying that I love and it's that obstacles only exist when you take your eye off the goal. Yeah. Um, I would guess you agree with that sentiment. That said, you are a black woman. Mm -hmm. There are systemic barriers that exist that make the path to success all the more difficult. All the more. Do you take time to reflect and reflect on your journey or is it just, I got to hustle and get to the next goal? Ooh, let me tell you. So <laughs> I used to be that, let me keep going, mm -hmm. right? And I would keep going so much that I stopped patting myself on the back mm. and really stopping to say, hey, this is as far, this is what you've done so far. Congratulate yourself, be okay. So I do a lot of me love, Good. which is my me time. Um, I take myself on a trip somewhere, I'll go sit at a spa somewhere, and I really just take in the moment of just being and learning just to be, because I can't be everything for everyone all the time. And I'm so used to thinking I need to keep going, 
to do that. Yeah. And I need to make sure I do that for myself as well. That that self maintenance is so important. Self care, self love. Um, you're still very young. I'm. Thank you. I ma- am. Many years to flourish in your own light, but do you feel a sense of responsibility to help influence the next generation of young um, cosmetologists and entrepreneurs, particularly young Black women? Absolutely. Yes, I do. I I I don't know what's happened in the last couple of years, but just finding those people that are hungry, that really have the drive for it and, you know, people jumping into something and jumping out, just keeping them um, excited and content with staying into something and actually seeing it all the way through because a lot of people give up so quickly Um, and just finding those people that do have the passion in helping lead them in the right direction of, hey, if you need any information, Sure, I don't mind. I've I've helped numerous of people. Like they're like, hey, can I get a broker? Here's my broker. Here's their information. Talk to them. They're gonna help you. Here's a grant place. Do that. Like there's enough for everyone, yeah. and people forget that. And so when people ask me, I'm I'm so easily here's the information because again, we're not gonna do it the same. You're gonna do it so different than me. And with that being said, that's the beautiful piece of it. We'll all grow because of that. Like, it doesn't make sense to me when people don't aren't willing to share. That seems to be your vibe altogether. This, altogether. This idea of abundance, this idea of kindness, of light. That That's a powerful energy to keep with you. I have. I know. It really <laughs> is, but it really is the truth. Yeah. It's so true. Uh, you, you mentioned you're an avid traveler. Oh, um, yes. I imagine I a wanderlust that was inspired in part by your grandmother. Yes. Um, she wh- traveled around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where where are some of your favorite places you venture to, and how how those experiences influenced your perspective? Um, Greece, I loved Greece. Hydra, yeah. Greece was beautiful. It impacted the space of just being in a moment to love yourself. That would be that one. Shows, going to hair shows, that one impacted knowledge and showing that there's always going to be something out there, and really educating yourself every time. Because again, that's where I say. Everyone's going to do it differently. You can learn something different in any kind of space. So if you're learning one thing a day, great. And then, you know, I've been to, and when I say travel, uh, I went to Puerto Rico. I absolutely love Puerto Rico. I ended up loving just to sit, but I do a lot of cruises. Mm-hmm. So just in loving people taking me places instead of yeah. me having to pay for a taxi cab mm-hmm. and, you know, pay for a hotel. Everything's in one at a cruise. <laughs> so if I could do a big cruise, ship, uh, educational class thing, I would do it all day. I w- I'm possibly going to do that, so thank you. Mediterranean cruise, one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Really? Absolutely incredible. I wish. I, I, I will be doing that soon. Did you do Norwegian or something? Yeah. Okay, I yeah. Because you get smaller locations, so when you get in smaller locations, you can stop mm-hmm. in closer instead of doing those big port stops. Highly recommend. So, I love cruises. That's my thing. So what's your vision going forward? Another location, product line, maybe? <laughs> you were going to ask me that. So No pressure. <laughs> I, no, I know. I knew you were going to ask me that. Yes, I have a lot of things that I'm working on. Educational classes, tools. My goal is to expand to another location. Nice. Um, a big location. There will be a few of them, but that's a big goal of mine um, in products. So yes, all of those. D all the above. Um, just play with how I want to push them out. 
and win. So just creating kind of your own brand and fleshing that out even more. Yeah, creating my own brand and fleshing it out. Well, we wish you all the best with that, Precious. Thank uh, you. You're a shining light in Aurora. Oh, thank you. And, and exactly the type of business person and, and community influencer that we want to highlight here at Visit Aurora. So, Oh, thank you. Don't make me emotional. <laughs> thank thank you, you for all the positivity you bring. Make sure you visit the Hair Fetish Experience. It's located just east of I-225 in Alameda inside of Aurora City Place. You can also learn more at the Hair Fetish Experience.com and make sure to follow on Facebook and Instagram at the Hair Fetish Experience. Woo woo. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.